0: Welcome to Reactive. My name is Khalil and I'm here with Raquel.
1: Hi.
0: And Henning. Hello. Yes, it's all all of us again. Amazing.
2: Yay! Yay. <laughs> so cool. Wow, yeah. What's been going on? Why didn't why didn't we get the show together? Oh. Is anybody traveling or it was just life, I think, right? I uh, mean, for me it was life. Yeah,
1: I mean I went to New Zealand, but we talked about New Zealand. Yeah. And then, yeah, just life, I think, yeah. got mm-hmm. in the way of everything. Yeah. <clears throat> Goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. But anyway, how's it going? What's new? What's exciting?
2: I wrote some code for the first time in weeks. Yeah. Yay!
1: That's-
2: yeah, it was actually actually really fun. It was a um, tiny little I know this sounds weird, but um, I've been doing other things. So um, it was a nice little contained isolated thing that I had to do and I was able to get it into production. It took much longer than it should have. Um, it's kind of funny that how out of practice you get Um, just if it's like I think it was four or five weeks, probably. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so that was it was fun. Um, and uh, it worked I didn't I didn't bring down production or anything so
1: oh good <laughs> I still got it
2: <laughs> <laughs> you can still you can still do it nice I mean
1: yeah. I think it's I think it's really interesting actually because uh I don't get to code very much anymore either though I did put in a pull request the other day to change the name of a variable <laughs> it was pretty awesome um uh, did you think and, a
0: lot yeah. about the architect ar- architecture there as well
1: well, I mean, I I think I architected it. <laughs>
0: so, <that's why. laughs> oh, right. Uh, okay. But naming things but, is the hardest thing anyway.
1: Yeah, no, no. It's it's all good. Um, <laughs> but the thing is that I um I don't know. I, I I think it's especially when you move into into management, like you have to stop like when you are what is referred to as an IC, an individual contributor, like, you know, a, an engineer, um you often consider yourself a um, like, like you, you value yourself. Like you, you consider if you're accomplished or not based on like, like people have like really, really strange metrics, all sorts of, all sorts of weird metrics, right? Like, Uh, Number of lines of code, number of pull requests merged, number of commits. uh, How does your, you know, your GitHub graph look, whatever? And like, there's something tangible to that. I I think many of those things are actually fairly silly, silly. But at the same time, you do tend to kind of give yourself praise based on the number, like, based on your code, right? And so when you move into management, you kind of stop doing that because you don't have time to code anymore, and so you have to find new ways of like determining your self worth, not just based on your code itself, but on something else. Um, and so I think that's, it's it's been a really interesting exercise for me. And I try to like focus on the accomplishments of my team, as opposed to what I've done personally, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. And I mean, it is, it is a really big shift. Um, to go from writing code to to trying to make sure that basically the project is on on track or or things are moving forward the way they're supposed to um the biggest challenge for me right now is is basically trying to figure out what level of detail i need to be at in order to do what i need to do in the best possible mm-hmm. way right you you can't go too high because then you lose track of what what's happening but if you go too mm-hmm. low you get lost in the weeds so it's yep. like you're juggling all these balls and you know maybe it's okay to drop one but you have to keep track of where it fell and you have to be able to pick it up so if it you know rolls down into the sewage system and goes out into the ocean then you're screwed because that's that's like my biggest fear right now is that i i drop one of those and i, I lose track of it right and it's, yeah I forget about it or something so it's uh it's it's a <laughs> So that's why I said in the last show I think too is like Jira is my friend but even that is is problematic to try to to keep track of everything and figure out <clears throat> basically how to keep the right the right level. I don't know if that does that make sense?
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. No, you're you're speaking my language right now because it's just like I spend like there's so much work to do and so little time and so few people to do it that like you're inevitably going to drop things on the floor. Like right now I think for me the name of the game is uh, am I dropping the right thing on the floor (laughs) at any given (laughs) moment, right? Because you can't do it all. So you have to drop some things on the floor. Um, I keep asking myself, is there a more, uh, like, can I be more organized than I currently am? Um, We've done everything from trying to use Pivotal Tracker which felt a little bit too micromanaging to Uh uh, I just have, I had my own Trello board for a while with like every single one of my team members as like a different column and trying to like move tasks around and things but that got unwieldy after a while because it was like how do i keep track of all these things so now i just have like a notepad (laughs) (laughs) um although no i don't have a notepad i have an ipad oh my goodness i could talk for like an hour on on like how great having an iPad Pro is right now and we can get to that. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm. but basically, I'm just writing notes all the time and trying to like, like, put them in the right boxes and just try to keep it all in my head. Um, and I'm still dropping things on the floor just this morning. I I totally messed up as a manager. I'm not going to give the exact details of the story. But like, I messed up. I totally messed up. And I I know I messed up. And, and when my report was like, Uh, you messed up, and I was like, I did, and I'm (laughs) sorry. And they were still really upset with me, but I mean, I messed up, and I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So it's it's so tricky. It's so. Sometimes I'm like, I want to go back to code. Code is a lot easier to deal with. At least I know when the when the tests pass, I'm done.
2: (laughs) Yeah, things seem more well defined. So. I'm curious now. So you said you moved through Pivotal Tracker, then to Trello. <clears throat> now you're on taking notes. So where have you ended up? Like, what's the, have you found the sweet spot yet as to what, yeah, what works the oh, best?
1: Not yet. Not yet. I did oh. see a really interesting article yesterday. Maybe it was a tweet or a series of tweets. Yes, it was a series of tweets, I think, from Sarah May. Uh, who's really awesome on Twitter and talks a lot about processes and things uh, about how uh, you have to find the right tool for your team. Um, so often people come from like big comp big companies, right? And I'm just gonna call them Big Co. Uh, like, so let's say you used to work at a place called Big Co. Then, <laughs> like, it can be really difficult to like. Like, so, like, especially if you're coming from big code to tiny startup, right? uh, You tend to bring the tools that you know worked at your previous job to your next job. Um, And sometimes that's not a good idea. Like, having a five person team, like, total, not that we're at that point anymore at NPM, but like, once upon a time, we were a five person company. And if we had brought in something like Jira, it would have been massively overkill. Right. Like Mm -hmm. at that point, you just you need to move so quickly, adding extra levels of process actually slows everything down. But when you're a very large company, it makes sense to have those tools in place because uh, the communication lines aren't as clear and they're not as open. Right. So you can't move quite as quickly. So often communication just kind of gets handed down as opposed to. Hey, shouting across this across the room because, you know, the CTO is over there and you can just be like, right. hey, yeah, wait, a that sec, doesn't, what's the plan on this?
2: <laughs> right. And that doesn't scale then after a while. That's yeah, right. That's I think exactly. we move past that point and
1: mm-hmm. and
2: um, we're like, I don't know, 14 14 developers, then there's an image team and a data team, so there's there's quite a few people and yeah, so I was very curious to see what what you guys had ended up at, but I'm still trying to find out what uh, what level of, you know, again, using how much JIRA, how how detailed do you break things up? Where is the, the right point? And then the other thing is, too, is that, you know, my needs out of it are different than those um, writing code. And it's sometimes difficult to convince people to take the time and, and make them understand why this is important um so that's that's a whole nother challenge is trying to uh bring everybody on board and get get them on the same page basically on how how things are supposed to be done while you're figuring out how it's supposed to be done <laughs> so still doing that what do you you guys use uh jira wasn't wasn't that the case uh khalil
0: yes yes we do and uh <clears throat> we just had some some new changes. So my boss is also kind of... Uh, I feel like he has similar problems like like you two. And mm-hmm. um, and um, he is definitely also always trying out different things and moving things around. And um, But from what I can tell, I think he has his own to-do list. He uses to-do list for basically <laughs> all the crap that he needs to do. And mm-hmm. then uh, in Jira, we have just all the... Everything that needs to do with, with our work, with the 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 programming work we're doing, and everything related to um, there's also some stuff you know concerning versioning, like which <clears throat> which tickets go into which version of that specific part of the software, <laughs> and uh, stuff like that is managed with this, with that as well. And uh, yeah, we use we use Jira quite extensively, and and it but but, but pragmatically. I would say
2: yeah. So I think that's that's the key, right? Is to find out where it's where it's not a burden to people, and then they won't use it anyway the way it's supposed to be used. And then you get you know basically messages that don't are not helpful, just like commit messages that you know say updated or you know yeah. <laughs> bump or something yeah. like that. Right? <laughs> oh yeah, we had
0: a discussion about that in the Slack chat today. Oh really? Yeah, well, I missed that. Yeah, well, I was like I'm right I'm like the worst committer ever. I'm like uh commit <laughs> dash m work work. Uh,
1: oh, No, <laughs> don't. Do that. Oh
0: yeah. I do a lot okay, of that. Okay,
1: we need to have a little conversation about this. <laughs> There's something.
0: Well, so so the thing uh, is like I was I was basically telling the story how I'm a bad committer because I I my commit message, messages are really bad. Um, so in general, in general, I have, uh, I'm, I'm kind of impatient when it comes to get committing. I'm, co- I commit, I tend to commit a lot and, um, I tend to commit a lot. And then the stuff that I commit is always kind of work in progress stuff. And to me, it's always also a little bit like backing up because I always push. And, um, so, so, so when it's work in progress, I, I often, and sometimes I'm working on two different, it's one ticket, one specific ticket. There's a specific scope of what I'm doing, but I'm working on, i made changes in different places and I don't really remember which were the changes and blah, 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 blah. Then it's really, and I just want to get this committed push to the the Git server, then like, yeah. I have a hard time being all clear-minded and like, oh yes, I'm going to, I'm gonna, you know, have a nice little concise sentence here of what I did, um, but I'm also not necessarily forced to to do that really because we have because, like I already t- uh, said before, I think a lot all of our stuff really happens. All um, a lot of stuff happens with us in in the tickets, so we document everything in the ticket whenever you do something. It's everything is the co- concise form of what has been done is in the tickets, and then all the commits have to have the ticket number in there. So you always have a connection from the commit to the ticket number. And we also have the requirement uh, that a- at least one of the commits for that ticket needs to have th- uh, a specific convention fulfilled, which is the Angular commit guideline convention thingy, where Mm-hmm. It has a specific format where it says, d- depending on the type of what it is, a fix or a refactor or a feature, it, it starts with that, right? It says fix, and then you put the scope behind that, and then you put a colon, and then you put a little description of what you did, and then the ticket number. So we have a lot of these requirements, and without those requirements, it doesn't go through the review. So it's at the end of the day, even if the commits... Because our tickets are not super big, like when one ticket is not like mostly, sometimes it is, but mostly it's it's just one or two days of work and not like a month of work, <coughs> right? So it's, it's pre- definitely possible to, to, after six months or so, to, get, to go back into the commits and look at, okay, where are the commits for this ticket and you won't be overwhelmed necessarily by all the crazy changes in there because like i said the tickets are quite small so that's basically so you do, why you this do works like non,
2: yeah
0: so i have do like more yeah sorry I can, I can i do a bunch of commits i do maybe 20 commits one of them is like super is the has the super format and the other ones are kind of like did this da, 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 but maybe i did something else in there too you know Mm-hmm. yeah
2: so the one with a big message is that what typically the last one when you're saying okay this is done now and then uh, so the, so really the sort of. It doesn't, it, doesn't, okay. it doesn't
0: matter because uh, that's kind of we also use this this one commit as a signal for for the changelog, right? So the changelog can then mm-hmm. the whatever, the script that generates the changelog then can um, determine if this is a you know a breaking change or a feature or a fix da da da, and then we create the changelog from that, and uh, and it's, it doesn't matter. If it's the last commit of the ticket, or the first one, or the middle, it doesn't matter because it's the convention that that gives the script the signal. Here's <clears throat> something interesting for you. You know, all the other commits yeah. are ignored.
2: I mean, it this happens really infrequently, um, but when it does happen, it's a huge pain. It's to try to go back and find a specific thing you did, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I just always feel like I'm. I always regret. Not having a better commit message when I push stuff, when there is something that I I don't um, I don't remember what the decision was that was taken in order to do this change, and maybe who was involved. It's like because you're oh, so trying you're to remember context. several. Yeah, so you're you're trying to remember several weeks or months back or whatever, and like ah, uh, why but, didn't I write a better commit message? You know.
0: So you depend. So you say that basically you depend on context being. All in the commits
2: yeah maybe not so much anymore um, maybe that's changing I don't know um, because I have before we we basic well before before this job we had no ticketing system it was like three developers and we just we just had git we did we did get issues but um, <clears throat> we didn't have something like JIRA jira now gives a lot more context. Right, because it,
0: because now in the Jira ticket you can also you can automatically see who worked on that one ticket as as long as you can mm-hmm. you can as as long as you you know which commits pertain to the ticket would like link them right. somehow.
2: But so what if you change from Jira? Where does all your information go? I mean, I, it's highly unlikely because it's... You, you don't. Know, I, I guess once you're in once you're <laughs> that form.
1: <point>, you don't. <laughs> once, once you're in Jira, you never leave. Basically. Never leave. Or you can, do,
0: you can do the same thing with GitHub as well. The GitHub people themselves, they also do something similar. Uh, but if I think you have to decide. I think it's really about deciding on where is where is the bulk of the information where is the context if it's going mm-hmm. to be in the commits then of course like writing commit messages has to be religion you know mm-hmm. like then you have to like every commit like you when you do like shitty commits in between in your branch or something like that they all have to be squashed in the end and you have like one beautiful commit with one 50 character Title and then and then and then you have like uh, prose after that where it's like right, blah, if blah blah blah. If you, even,
2: if you have, even if you have the context in Jira, it doesn't tie to a specific commit. So if you're trying to find something that I, don't, I guess I don't know, it's a, it's a matter of deciding at what level this is. Well, again. you can you can
0: do that. Yeah. You know you can give you, yeah. if you put the ticket numbers in the commits, then you can. There's a plugin to link that
1: up. Yeah. yeah. I mean. So I, I want to throw in uh, another perspective here. Um, I think I've mentioned this uh, on on the podcast before, but the way that we do deploy systems is all with like the way that we do deploys uh, in our system is via Git hooks. And so, like when I want to deploy to production, I actually just force push my branch, whether it's master or whatever, but usually it's master uh, to a branch called. Uh, deploy hyphen production, right? Same thing for staging. like I can I can force push a, a branch to deploy hyphen staging um, and, and any of our other various boxes in you know the clouds. Um, but what's what's important about this is that because everything is on the command line and all by a git, then our commits really do matter. Um, because if we want to roll back, we go into our git tree, and basically, like I, I, go ahead and just do like a Git log, and find the commit that I want to roll back to. And it's a lot easier instead of just like thing maybe, uh, um, like if it says like you know this is the like, right exactly. whatever, then yeah. I can I can actually go back uh, and and find that exact commit that I want to go back to or whatever. Um, similarly, don't you tag We tend to
0: versions or something uh,
1: like that. We don't (laughs) we probably could we probably could but we we don't because we're just constantly like we we try to constantly be pushing to production as soon Uh as we're we we feel like it's ready Uh uh, we just pushed up Um, and so it's it's just I I think a different way of doing things Um, sure you know so I'm I'm not saying one way is right or the other Um, I personally yeah I think that's the key there's no yeah. yeah Yeah, uh, I like squashing commits when it makes sense. Sometimes I'm, like, in a weird, <clears throat> uh, like, exploratory mode, right, where I'm just, like, playing with this, playing with that, and then putting in console logs, and, like, I'll have all these commits that are, like, do not, like, like squash this out, like, do not commit this, don't keep this, or whatever, because I just want to keep my place as I'm trying to play thing, play around with things. So sometimes you want to push up your branch to work with an with a coworker. And you don't want that commit to be in master, like I don't want anything in there. Like I don't want that there at all. Um, I also have some coworkers who are like really adamant about making sure that every commit that is in master passes tests. So that you're never in like a broken state if you we need to roll back to a specific commit. Um which I think is also an interesting way of doing things. So at the end of the day, it comes down to you know, different strokes for different folks. Yeah, I a think lot. it really. Yeah, it, you uh, have to it,
2: find it, you have to find your your the best flow for you, I guess, and then you have to deal with you know individual people's preferences, right? Um, right.
0: at, at the uh, end, at the end, the key is really: there's everybody knows what you're doing, you know? Because exactly, really, there yeah. is no one way, but there's there's a billion ways. And if, but well, as long as everybody <clears> knows what they're doing, and there's you know whatever you're doing helps. Uh, then and you can always improve here and there and tweak here and there. Then uh, that that's that totally works. Like there, there are all kinds of different approaches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm I like I always had problems with the Git commit because for 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 some reason my head is not in the right mindset in that moment to do all this <laughs> thinking and like yeah,
2: you just want to get it out. And... It's like
0: so many. There's so much pressure doing it right and <laughs> and getting everything you did into in that commit into that sentence and then like yeah i don't know it's 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 i find it really hard actually i must say
2: yeah it's definitely not easy and and you're right sometimes when you have multiple things i do sort of pick things apart if i have i don't know six or seven changed files and i know what goes together i commit them you know in groups mm-hmm. so i have basically split that out and I don't have several different things um, just all in a whole bunch of files. Um, Just for that exact purpose that you said, because it is really hard to write that and it's easier when it's smaller stuff. But I guess what you're saying is even if it's much smaller then it's like you have nothing to say about it. (laughs) Yeah,
0: exactly. I have nothing to say. Uh, But maybe it's also maybe I I should just give myself a little bit more time when I do it. No, yeah. I, maybe, maybe I think I feel that maybe I have this uh, expectation that a commit just has to go quick, but maybe they just they don't have to go quick. Yeah. 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 So that was. Yeah. yeah I, I also got a lot of blowback in the Slack chat. By the way. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh <Hello>, like, dear! <laughs> you have to you have to think about. You know. I think once you're working on a team, you have to think about that you. You are not the only person reading this. There's others sure. that come after you are working in parallel. And if they have to make sense of that, you have to give them as much help as you can, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah, and there was oh. a lot of uh,
0: – basically what people were saying too is like whenever you want to find out who is responsible for a change and you do a git blame and then you get some commit that says blah, blah, then it's very unhelpful really. Mm. Yeah. yeah but we do uh, so there is Git blame support for editors so in visual studio code you can per line see who was the last person changing but i guess if you want to go like months back then it's a whole different story i don't know yeah it's yeah. uh yeah if you use git blame a lot and you have like like really old code and lots of legacy code and stuff then um good commits a good commit history can can really help a lot that's yeah. for sure
2: so those those changes that you were talking about that that your your manager makes the tweaks to the system how are they communicated down to the team? Well, uh,
0: um, actually, just today we had up. we had a meeting. Okay. So basically, he okay. said, "Everybody come together." I made changes to the Jira, uh, to to something in Jira and versioning and workflow, and he basically talked us through the changes. And for us as developers, not a lot of stuff really changed, um, just mm-hmm. a little bit but in but how the tasks are being processed and when a version gets released how the tasks then get removed from the board and stuff like that all that re- was removed uh because we also moved away from sprints so it's just a kanban kanban board. Oh,
2: really interesting yeah. because
0: we were our we didn't really do sprints at all not at all it was mm-hmm. just i don't know I even know why they were in there they were in there for some reason i don't remember and uh but we were always kind of working in in a kanban style anyway Mm -hmm. which which i find is a really nice way to work
2: yeah i like it too it's less committal (laughs) it's like the sprints are i don't know i guess it depends on how the organization works which which approach works better i i just listen to
0: i just listen to part of this uh Simple made easy talk by Richicki again, and he said something about oh, sprints yeah. that was so funny. He said basically, uh, you know, when you when you build a system that's complex, then you have to think in order in order to keep it simple. In the long run, you have to think about how you manage the complexity in the beginning, and you have to learn, you know, ways to do that, and you have to then build. Use those ways to manage complexity to build that system so that, in the long run, the system, even though it's complex, is still going to be simple. So this is more like a marathon and not like a sprint. And then he said, like, "Yeah, but we're developers and we fixed it because we're just going to fire the the start gun uh, every two weeks and we have a new sprint or something like that." It was just hilarious. (laughs) Uh, I can't Uh, can't really. uh, I need to get to watch. How long is that talk? As like a normal talk, like an hour no, we'll talk, or so. Okay. Yeah, but that okay. talk is so funny. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I don't know. I'm not a big fan of Scrum. I Must say. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. So, anything? What's what's what 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 else is going on?
2: Um, I'm trying to get um, what what we call brown bag lunch lunch talks um, or brown mm-hmm. bag talks started up so i have committed to doing this monthly we'll see how successful i will be so with 14 developers i'm hoping that we can get you know one or two people uh to volunteer each month to give a talk so this first one will be in three weeks and uh i was surprised how long it took to get everything lined up and it's still not quite done so um that'll be very interesting to see how this evolves and and to uh see how it's received. Did you see a lot Um, of I There was a few people that are highly enthusiastic about it and um, some say, you know, cool, and then some people you hear nothing from. So we'll see. But Mm -hmm. I just, I think, I want to try this to see how I can get um, certain things um, communicated to the developers um, that are not, like, 100% about the tasks at hand but make you maybe better informed about um, your work and and your options and possibilities or you know certain solutions that are out there that um that are maybe water cooler talk you know mm-hmm. but a little more a little more uh focused um, <clears throat> so we'll we'll see how that goes um because there's a I don't know I think lightning talks and things like that are are super interesting. If if somebody has a topic that they can just, you know, introduce something, it doesn't have to be like in depth, even just to say, Hey, I'm working with this. This is totally awesome. If you have this type of problem, check it out. And here's an example of how I can solve problems like way faster Mm -hmm. than I could before, you know Um, that that's kind of the hope I have to get those types of things across. And then maybe if there's, you know, I don't know, I can't even think of anything right now, but something that maybe has nothing to do with development that might be interesting that somebody wants to talk about that—that that could be cool yeah. too.
1: Mm-hmm. So, and, uh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I have, I have, I have opinions. Please <laughs> tell. <laughs> uh, <No. laughs> um, so I have seen two types of kind of like the brown bag lunch thing happen. Um, at the first company that I worked for in this industry, uh, they did a, a tech talk every Friday, every other Friday. Um, and what they would do is they would actually bring people in from outside to give a tech talk about anything, right? And it was always really interesting. Like, the company w- would provide, like, pizza or whatever, and that was pretty cool. And then, um, and like, I saw some really interesting – like, sometimes the talks were were from people internal to the company, but it was open to the public as well, which I thought was really interesting. Um, and, like, so, like, in – people would talk about the the – things that I'm playing with and like new things that they'd played, like they'd found or whatever, always bring like a breath of fresh air. Like there was this one time we had a media, a local meteorologist came in and talked about the, the software that he uses to help like determine what the weather is going to be like. Um, And we even had a musician come in uh, who happened to be my sister, but still uh, she came in and talked (laughs) about the software that she uses to write music. And um, we had somebody who like does like sports uh, medicine and like and like sports uh, rehab to kind of like show off the tech that they use to kind of help athletes uh, level up and all sorts of things. And it was just really fascinating. So if you want like really totally out out there types of things. Um, that was a really cool method that I had seen. Um, the other benefit, of course, is that by making it open to the public, you know, getting people from other tech companies coming in and being like, oh, wow, this tech company is really cool. They, like, care about, you know, developer advancement and all that stuff. I should go work there instead. Anyway, Um <laughs> So, so what time
2: was, was that? Was that during the lunch hour or after hours? Was during the
1: lunch hour. That, that was during oh. the lunch hour. So it was different from like mm-hmm. a meetup. It was, it was very much for during the lunch hour itself. Um, and then the other thing. So one thing that we do at NPM is uh, it's pretty strictly just NPM. Uh, we've had one outside guest ever come in. But um, every week we have an engineering all hands. And it's just a required hour for everybody on the engineering team. And the thing is that our team is so distributed that it's really hard to see each other face to face on a regular basis. So this is our one opportunity every week for everybody in the engineering team across all the different like sub teams to come together and kind of talk about stuff. And so sometimes it'll be somebody doing a deep dive where they're kind of they'll show off something that they're they've been working on. For a while like a bug that they it took them three days to hunt down and and fix because it looked like it would be a lot easier than it actually was or maybe they're showing off uh like npm 5 is is coming soon um and so we've had a couple of of deep dives from the folks on the CLI team showing off the different features that they've been building and that's been really cool um and then sometimes Sometimes you can't even find anybody who wants to give a talk, um, <laughs> but you still need to have that face-to-face time, right? And so, what our CTO does is she will get a bunch of topics, discussion topics um, from from the team, um, and on a day when nobody wants to present anything, she'll just pose the topic and we sit around and we just discuss it for an hour, which is actually, it can be really, really interesting. Questions like, uh, or like topics such as, uh, how do you manage your time uh, when you have more work than you can possibly do? Uh, Or when, uh, let me think think about some good ones. Um, How do you debug code? like just a really broad question like that. And then allows people to kind of share their ideas and their, their perspectives. And often you'll learn about something totally that you weren't expecting. You're like, Oh my God, I need to do that. Um, because people don't always talk about the things that they do when they're just sitting there at their desk writing code. Exactly. Right?
2: Like, yeah. That's, that's that? the point. Yeah. Awesome. Um,
1: and so like, I think that's a really fun way to get people talking because I think a lot of times people think presentation means I should be prepared and, and put together like 30 slides and like not sleep the night before because I'm so nervous because I'm going to (laughs) talk to my team and what are they going to do? And, and sometimes you just got to let it just be really chill and then allow people to slowly realize that this is a safe space. Like people can disagree, but it's not, you're not going to get, you know, pounded for it. Um, and and I think that's I think that's that, that's cool. I think that's a cool culture to 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 create and uh, invest in. So, just some ideas. So, yeah, that's a really them. good
2: idea. Actually, yeah. I like that a lot. And I'm I'm impressed you do this once a week. So you potentially yeah. have to- a talk every week. I mean, yes. Wow. Or a discussion
1: topic. Um, yep. and it, it's it's pretty nice. And and usually when people do a talk, it's like fifteen minutes, maybe twenty. Right. And then we spend the rest of the time asking questions and discussing and all of that stuff. So there's, it helps everybody remember, hey, there are people behind the handles on Slack, um, but also like, oh my God, I'm part of this really cool engineering team. And like, even though I work on the website, I can learn about what's happening on the CLI or v- vice versa, right? So. So it's, it's definitely,
2: neat. it's it's all engineering. You don't segregate by teams, like, um, so So you ba- basically get, a, I don't know what to call it, a cross-pollination or whatever. That yes. People, yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, though, keep in mind, we have currently 10 people in that yeah. meeting. <laughs> so it's us to go up uh, to 13, but th- there's literally only 10 people <laughs> in that meeting. Right. Um, so if you have, like, a 50-person uh, engineering team, Uh, That can be a little bit more unwieldy, but that doesn't mean you can't split everybody up into groups of, you know, 10 to 20 and just make them, you know, talk about stuff anyway.
2: Yeah. In your case, do you do you each individually dial in or do you have some groups sitting together in front of, um, I don't know, a microphone and and a screen or how does that work?
1: Yeah. So we use Google's um, Google Chromebox. Yeah, we uh, we have a Google Chromebox in the office, uh, in the okay. Oakland office, and then everybody else dials in on Hangouts. Mm-hmm. It's a little. It can be a little unwieldy because, like, you have all the people who are in the Oakland office in the same room, and so they tend to kind of talk uh, exactly. amongst themselves,
2: and they cause uh, noise, and then it's hard for the others to understand. I, I, that's that's my fear that that would that's kind of the problem. Right. But.
1: So another option is to just force everybody to go on to hangouts on their own. Um, mm-hmm. And then that way everybody is at least on the same playing field, right? Everybody is in. Cause what's, what's funny. Everybody's remote, Yeah. Yeah. What's funny is that in the same time that there's like that, that local, the people who are all in the same room have like one conversation there's also tends to be like a hangout conversation amongst all the people who are like <laughs> in computer land. And so like, you'll, you'll see that, that the, that the folks on the screen are like, I can't get, you know, a word in edgewise with everybody else talking, but then the people around the table will be like, wait, 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 wait. you you're having conversations and I can see that you're t- that you're texting each other, but we can't see what it what the history was. And then it's just like, oh, well, wow, interesting, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So that's funny. It's tricky. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But yeah, it's uh, so I don't know. It's um, we'll see how how it goes. I think after a while, hopefully, it's it's not all that much work. But uh, we shall see. Very curious how this goes.
1: I will report mm.
2: back.
1: <laughs> cool. Please do. Please do.
0: Yeah, we also have brown bags. There's one guy who organizes them all the time. Uh, but it's a little different. Uh, I think he asks people who might want to speak. People can offer up uh, talks, and then there's uh, there's a, there we have in the intranet you can then you <clears throat> know uh, basically reserve a seat. There's a just a certain amount of seats everybody because it's a huge company and there's it seems like it works pretty well. And there's all kinds of different talks, those sessions. So that definitely works, but it's, I think it's uh, just every month or so, something like that. Yeah. Cool. So Raquel, uh, the iPad pro what's up with that?
1: (laughs) Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. So, um, So as I've mentioned, we have a hugely distributed team uh, at NPM. Uh, And in fact, so I'm in charge of the services team and that encompasses the website, the registry, the enterprise product, operations and docs. Um, And it turns out that like 90% of our team is not located in Oakland. So we like, and one thing that we noticed earlier this year is that when everybody's in the same room, we end up communicating a lot better. And it's like, well, why? Why is it that when you're in the same room, people communicate better? Um, And it turned out that a huge piece of people communicating, at least for our team, was whiteboarding. And Hmm. like, it's just something that you naturally kind of go towards when you're trying to talk about architecture or solving problems. And so we were like, okay, how can we replicate this but across the internet? Um, and so we decided to do a trial where we um, we got our tech lead of the services team an iPad. And we said, all right, you're going to play with this and you're going to figure out a way to like try to replicate the whiteboarding experience, but remotely. And, and he did it. He found a way to do kind of whiteboarding. Um, but like there's two types of whiteboarding, it turns out. Uh, one is you have one person at the whiteboard who basically takes notes. But on a board, right? And that's that's kind of like a one to many sort of interaction, um, and, and that's what he was doing. He was doing that really well. He was able to screen share his his iPad as a whiteboard, and he was able to draw on it with the iPad pencil or the the pencil, or whatever uh, the Apple pencil, uh, and then and then everybody else was able to like watch him draw and they could ask questions and then he could kind of like show and like draw circles around things and like point arrows and use different colors and it was really great um and then but there's a second type of whiteboarding where you have uh the one-to-one type of whiteboarding where you have two people with both with with markers trying to point at the same thing and draw things at the same time. And so there's a collaborative type of whiteboarding. Um, and he couldn't do that with only the one iPad, right? There was no way for another person to come in and be like, wait a second. So we decided to extend the trial and go beyond just one person with with an iPad and at, make it so that the entire team had iPads. Um, and so now every single person on our services team has an iPad and can draw uh, and and so we found some collaborative like collaborative whiteboarding apps that allows us to have like, you basically have the one screen and you can see what everyone else has been drawing and you can draw on it too. And then you can like save that whiteboard as needed, but at least now multiple people can like point at the same thing and draw on it and circle things and add arrows and use different colors. Um, And, and like everybody's on the same page, literally like, like, but from anywhere in the world. And so that was a really cool experience. And so um, now as a non-technical person, quite to the extent that, you know, an I see is, there was less reason for me to have an iPad, <laughs> but I asked for one anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and as soon as I got it, I was like, I must justify this because iPad Pros plus an iPad Pencil, uh, not cheap. So I must justify this somehow. And it has turned into my go-to, like, somebody in the office actually made fun of me the other day because I looked like like the the nerdy girl with the clipboard walking around <laughs> the office like holding my pencil and my iPad and just walking around and like taking notes and like jotting down things and everything. But it's so great because I can like I can take notes with my hand, right? Like 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 actually have handwritten notes because I I'd much more I don't know what the word for this is, but like I learn or like I, I, retain information if I write it down. So like I don't ever have to refer back to my notes. But as long as I write it down and can refer back to my notes, uh, I end up under. I remember I re- tend to remember things a lot easier than if I say, for example, just like never write it down. I'll just completely forget it. Or if somebody just tells me, like I'll, I'll just totally forget it. Um, so I've been writing things using the notes app. Like just Apple's basic notes app is really quite great. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you can have like multi, like you can have uh, two things on this on the screen at the same time. So like I can be taking notes in a meeting and then someone might ping me on Slack, and I can just very easily like open up Slack, see what's going on, respond as needed, then close that and keep drawing notes as needed. Like I, I don't like I can kind of do it's a multitasking, right? I can like multitask task on the iPad. Um, I'm basically at the point now where as long as I commit to never writing code again, if I just get a a keyboard for the iPad, I'm cool with just having an iPad and I could give up my computer. Like Mm -hmm. I can do it all on there. Like I can, like I have access to Trello if I decide I want to use that again, I can browse things, email, Slack is basically where I do everything. I can review code on, on GitHub. Like it's pretty freaking great. Not going to lie. Mm, yeah,
0: I always thought that. I think that <laughs> as long as you don't have to code, you can do everything mm-hmm. with the iPad.
1: Yeah. much. Yeah. Also, there's a coloring book app. And it is super
2: <laughs> 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 So, yeah, I'd be curious to see how that works with... Because uh, that is one of the biggest problems with remote, right? Is Is just mm-hmm. sharing a hand drawing. Like, you just yes. want to fiddle around and show something, draw arrows around stuff and... That's mm-hmm. like if you have to do that in something like Lucid Charts or some other charting thing. Yes, you can collaborate and share, but it's like just to draw a box with some words on it and some arrows around it is like ten times faster by hand, right? And 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 usually completely sufficient. So very intrigued by this. Mm-hmm. You have to share the um, the names of those apps in the in the you so can put them in the show notes.
1: Yeah, yeah, I will. Uh, yeah, that'd be awesome. cool. That would be really
2: cool. So I will do that. Excellent. Definitely, I do that. Mm-hmm. Nice.
0: Mm-hmm. So, what else? There was a yeah. lot of stuff. St- a lot of stuff in JavaScript world. Miss the Ember team. Uh, the EmberConf happened, so of course, it's so always they had something amazing to announce. And uh, I don't know if you if you uh, saw it, but they released something called Glimmer JS. Which is the same name as their rendering engine, but it it is something different. So uh, and not something different. So basically, <laughs> Glimmer JS. Um, they felt like they have with Ember JS. They have the the problem of very big ambitious applications basically covered, because Ember JS is a very like full featured framework for for that, um, including Ember CLI, and they didn't really have anything for, for the small JavaScript app story, like or small to mid-size kind of. Um, and uh, so they wanted to have something for that. And Glimmer.js is the answer for that, which is basically um, just components. So you can use their handlebars kind of language, templating language, um, to write components. Um, you. So you also have a JavaScript class that then belongs to that component, and then and and basically that's it. it it's based on their Glimmer technology, so it's super super duper fast. And uh, so those components get rendered; they get compiled into something that they call opcodes, which I think I learned that that is like some sort of a f- like language or form of. So they basically take the templates and transform them into this weird language for their Glimmer VM. So they have they made their own virtual machine for this Glimmer thing, so that they can optimize, like super optimize things in that virtual machine, so that they can be very fast at updating the DOM. And so what is
2: the virtual machine in is that javascript or is it something else?
0: Well, that's what I'm like I'm a little confused about that as well, but I think that they wrote the, the virtual machine in, in javascript, yes. And okay. they they so they compile this thing to through the opcodes and then this virtual machine because because this 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 new structure, this data structure in that, you know, the, those opcodes um they, uh, for some reason, because of the information that is in this compiled set of data, this blob of data, they can then optimize, um, you know, updating the DOM somehow. I, I don't really understand it. I, I tried to uh-huh. watch a video today with uh, Yehuda Katz. There's a video series where he's like doing a super hardcore deep dive into that stuff, which I only, you know, watched a little bit of it so far. But um, yeah, it's. For, and from that video, I kind of ga- gathered so that they have this VM, which is written in JavaScript. I guess I'm not actually not sure. <laughs> it, they, 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 it, just, it doesn't say mm. anywhere. It doesn't. There's no information, or there is. I'm sure somewhere information. I just didn't look hard enough. But it's not super obvious. And but on Twitter, I said to I sent out a tweet today. Where I was speculating that Glimmer JS is like a competitor to React JS, and what are all? I was just going
2: to ask you that. <laughs> it, it is totally. Where do you think it fits in? Yeah. Yeah, it's
0: a totally it's totally a competitor to React because it's just basically a view layer, it's just components. Those components can do stuff like fetch data and then you know set the data, and you have can can have components within components, and so so forth. And you can then take those components once your app has a certain size. Well, first of all, you can create those components with ember CLI. so you never so ember CLI is still your work area, right? And so mm-hmm. when you have those components uh, and your app gets really big and you need the emberjs full feature suite, basically, um, then it's very easy to take those components and just drop them into ember into an ember project um, and wow. also, they have the uh, the ability to to compile them into just normal web components as well. And they have kind of their vision is to be the SDK for the web. So they're not trying yeah. to target native, how React Native, for instance, does. So they're not trying to compete on that in that area. They're really trying to um, make it make the best SDK for targeting web and mobile web. And oh, and, so, and actually, they also had a little graph up there, which was also very impressive, where they showed um, the file size of the hello of a hello world application in all the frameworks right so ember <laughs> js was pretty big was minified and gzipped i think it was and i think uh, the ember js thing came out at 100 something or something or more i'm not sure and then react was pretty good was i think like at 50 or 60 uh, kilobytes and then there was i think pr- something that was like ridiculously small like 10 and then uh, glimmer js just fit right at, at second second place was just fitting right in there at 30 kilobytes for In mm-hmm. hello world app or something like that. <laughs> so so those those Glimmer JS applications are definitely super small and super fast. Interesting. Huh. So that's uh mm-hmm. yeah, super interesting. I'm really interested. Uh I'm just gonna follow the story uh and see how where this is going and uh if they're gonna get some some more some more market share of because mm-hmm. I mean <laughs> React is just like has taken over. I mean it's, it's killing it, it's, isn't it? Yeah. Really. Mm-hmm. It's really, yeah. it's really amazing. Really is amazing. And also what is gaining a lot of steam is Preact. Have you heard of Preact? Yeah.
1: It's, it's like a mini version of React, right? Like right. it's, it's smaller somehow.
0: It's like three kilobytes. Good. Yeah. <laughs> so and
1: it's the, smaller by a lot.
0: Yeah. And, and <laughs> so he threw out, so he basically, from what I understand, i don't know the details yet. He's going to talk at JSConf where he's going to talk about how he got it so small. Um, I'm definitely going to watch that talk. And uh, but So from what I understand, he just doesn't have a lot of the uh, compatibility stuff in there where React, for instance, has their own event system implemented so that all the events work all the same in all the browsers. So I'm sure he doesn't support, you know, super old browsers and stuff. Uh, and he threw out other stuff that are that are not necessarily needed i would say or mm-hmm. y- you know 80 percent of all the projects maybe don't need <clears> it <throat> uh, mm-hmm. but i've seen i've seen um henrik Joretek who used to be at uh, what's the company and yet. And, yeah and yet he is mm-hmm. he is freelancing now and he he was he was raving about the pre-act and he was saying that that's his framework of choice right now to build uh, progressive web apps because it's very suitable for that. If you target mobile uh, modern browsers, I think, uh, which you have to mm-hmm. also. If you have a progressive web app, you maybe also want to have service workers, which are also only in modern browsers. And um, he uh, he said that's yeah his kind of uh, yeah favorite framework for that mm-hmm. yeah. And I've seen it pop- popping up, so it seems like it's gaining a little bit of popularity right now too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's. React is taking over. And then React is also going to have their, is still working hard on their fiber version of React, which is also going to come mm-hmm. with a lot of performance improvements. Um, yeah, so they're running away. It seems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. In other JavaScript news uh, this week, uh, I don't know if you all saw, but uh, Node 6, there was a bit of an issue yesterday. They They kind of broke the internet a little bit Not quite left pad style, but um, at least for for us, we noticed that we were unable to run Travis. Like it basically, it broke all of our Travis builds because for whatever reason, node no longer, like their downloads didn't work. So you couldn't download the latest version of node six. And at least in our builds, uh, we use node six because we want to use ES6. Um, and for whatever reason, Travis, when it tried to download node six to you know start up a new build, um, it would fail. And so then it would go to node 0.10 uh and and Ooh. everything would break. What? It'd be like, no, tests are all broken. You can't use anything. They'd be like, what oh, is God. const? const doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, and then and then also, uh, we use Terraform to spin up new machines, and um, and so we needed to to spin up a machine and like to help support. Um, and we couldn't because uh, again, Node six we couldn't uh, we couldn't download it. So like, it just didn't work, and we were like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that reminds me. That's why I wasn't around two weeks ago. We launched free orgs at NPM. <laughs> ah, <laughs> <laughs> that's, yes. right. yeah,
0: that's
1: So, right. yes, yeah, so that was a pretty a pretty cool big deal. Um, and uh, in the process also changed billing to make it a lot easier and a lot – because if you remember, there was an episode probably about a year ago when I tried to explain how orgs billing worked, and everyone was like, this is the most confusing freaking thing ever. Mm-hmm. Um, no longer. It's $7.00. Per user per org. Yay. That's it. So
2: way awesome. easier.
1: Way, way, way easier. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. So huzzah! Cool. That's what's been going on.
0: <laughs> Wonderful. All right.
1: Yeah. Cool. All right.
0: I think you have to, to to go to a meeting, huh, Raquel?
1: Yes. I so, do. Yeah,
2: shut it. Go. I gotta run too. I gotta pick up pick up the kids. So uh, real quick, Fido found something. Um Oh, we wow. got a five-star great show review from Mr. or Mrs. Kapfenberger in Germany, and it says, I recommend this podcast to any any web worker who has fun listening to three friends talk about the events of the past week. Uh, this is mainly about topics from the web, and it always gives me interesting thoughts. Keep it up.
1: Nice. Yay! Thank you!
2: Very That's cool. Awesome. Thank you. Yes. Uh,
1: and we have new people on our Slack channel as well. Um Shout out to Dylan, uh, Nick Hoff, and uh, Eric Ruiz de Chavez, I think. Trying to think of how long. Did we say hello to Otani?
0: Not sure. We
1: did. And then Jamerson, Heimerson. No, we have. We totally talked about Jaime, I
0: think. Yeah, I think so. Yes. All right. All right. So yeah, anyway, big, big ups to everybody.
1: Coming. Big ups to everybody who joined our Slack channel. You're amazing. Um, and welcome, welcome. And if you too would like to join our Slack channel, you can do so uh, by visiting our show notes at reactive.audio.
2: Correct. All right. I'm uh, H. Glattergots on Twitter, and I'll catch you all next week.
0: I'm Khalil Tweets, and we also are ReactivePod on Twitter, and leave us a review if you like us. If you don't, uh, don't. Yeah. <laughs> Stay away. No.
2: Uh,
1: and, uh, and I'm Rockbot on the Twitters. And uh, catch y'all next week.
2: All right. All right. All right. Bye.
0: Bye.
1: Bye. Bye.